Welcome to the Grace Point Church Podcast. Here at GPC, we want you to know God, love people, and live sent. From wherever you're listening, we hope you're encouraged by this week's message. If you want to learn more about Grace Point, head over to gracepointchurch.net. And now, this week's message. Good morning, church. Uh, my name is Osahen Idue. I'm supposed to be reading uh, from the book of Psalm with my language. But unfortunately, we don't have it translated to English yet. So I will be reading in English today. Um, I'm from Edo State, Nigeria. Uh, we're like the downside of uh, data area in Nigeria, data region. And we've been existing for more than 5,000 years according to our history. And we speak multiple languages down there, but our most dominant language is Edo language. Uh, the Edo is spelled E-D-E-O. Uh, we like we went popularly known around the world as Benin people. So I will be reading from English today, uh, from Book of Psalm 119. Um, is with my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wonder for your commandment. I will store up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. I will meditate on your precept and fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statue. I will not forget your word. That's the word of God. Thank you. I I hope you heard that his language, his mother tongue, does not have the Bible. And that is something that doesn't sit well with me. It shouldn't sit well with any follower of Christ that... We would have so many Bibles, so many versions of the Bible in the sense of translations of the Bible, but one people group doesn't have it. But that's not, that's true of many people groups around the world. I want us to take a moment and I want us to pray for, give me the name of the people again. Edo. Edo. Edo people. Would you pray with me? Father God, I thank you for my brother. I thank you for his spirit. I thank you for his testimony. And I pray for the Edo people, Father, I pray for them that many of them will come to know you. And that, Father, they'll not just have a portion of Scripture, they'll have all 66 books. They'll be able to open up to Psalm 119 as we will do today and be able to read it in their own language. Lord, on the day of Pentecost, you made sure every people group there heard the gospel in their own language. Father, I thank you for my brother. And I pray that, Lord, his people will know you. And I pray that they will have the word of God to stand and build their lives on. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Give him another round of applause. (laughs) Reading in another language and public is... uh, uh, I had to twist his arm. I couldn't outdunk him, uh, so I had to twist his arm uh, to to do this today. Uh, by the way, he did come to America from Nigeria to play basketball, played for the University of Georgia, and ended up finding a bulldog in the house. Uh, uh, ended up finding his love and followed her to Arkansas. And uh, they are married and they have a beautiful little girl. And uh, so they're a part of our church. But what's really cool is that he came to play basketball, but God had bigger plans for him. 
Uh, he brought him to Grace Point, and in June of 22, he heard the gospel, he heard the challenge to go home wet, and he went home wet that day uh, and uh, gave his life to Christ and declared it on the same day. So what a beautiful story that is of God at work and how God uses so many different things. And he has a foundation where he goes back to Nigeria to teach basketball and also to work with less fortunate children in the area. Uh, so if you want to talk to him about that, he's in our church, a part of our family, and uh, what, a, what, a, what a blessing that is. But again, do not take what I hold in my hand and what hopefully you hold in your hand for granted. In fact, I want you to hold it up right now. I want you to repeat after me. We've done this several weeks now. I hope it becomes a part of who you are. This is my Bible. Say it with me. This is my Bible. It is the inspired and indestructible and indisplaceable word of God. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what it says I can do. Today, My mind is attentive, my heart, and I will never, no, never, ever. I hope that is true. Let's pray together. Father, this is your word. We recognize it as your word. We pray that, Lord, you would speak to us through your word. I am only a human messenger. I'm flawed in every way imaginable. God, would you take your word and speak to our hearts in Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Speaking of uh, going home wet and uh, Oshin uh, going home wet, we are having a baptism service on September the 10th. If you've never, as a believer, declared your faith in Jesus through baptism, we would invite you to be a part of that time. That's going to be our fall party day, all right? Lots of food, lots of fun, games, all that kind of stuff going to be happening on that day. But we're going to kick it off with baptisms. And so if you're interested in being a part of that day as a celebration, there you go. You can go and find out the information and hopefully sign up for that, uh, for that day. But also you can sign up to be a part of our baptism service uh, together. Take your Bibles and be finding Psalm 119. 119 is where we're going to be today. I hope you think uh, about Thanksgiving and you think about the meal at Thanksgiving. It's one of my favorite meals of the year. Everyone brings out their best dishes, their unique dishes, and they only come out one time a year. And what do you got to do? You got to fill the plate up and then you got to go back and fill it up again. And then if you've got another family member you got to go to, you've got to go fill it up over there a couple of times. And so you're like, it's just this incredible time together. Well, I'll say this today. I felt this way in preparing this message, that there is so much that I need to say, want to say, feel led to say, but will not have time to say it. So you need to listen fast, okay? Let's start with that. And you need to eat slowly. All right, just like a meal. I want you to take this in. I want you to chew on this. I want you to continue to process this because this is a part of the life-changing work that God is wanting to do in us. We've been looking at Psalm 119. There's th there are four calls to action from this passage. First of all, we need to know it. We gotta, if you're not reading it, you're not going to know it. It is study it. It is learn it. It is get behind the words and get behind the paragraphs and get behind the literature 
and get behind the context of what's going on. And we've got a couple of different things coming up, and I'm not going to mention Discipleship University probably anymore after today because it is nearly full. So just bear that in mind. If you're interested in learning how to study the Bible in the month of September and October and a little bit of November, then you need to sign up for that because it is nearly full. But there's another opportunity. If you as a parent want to study the scripture together as a family. There's going to be a Bible explorers and it's an opportunity for you to sit beside your children and learn to study the scripture together. So lots of options. Why are we compounding and throwing all these options at you is because of this. The word of God is God's inspired, indestructible, irreplaceable word. And you need, need to have it, and you need to own it, and you need to know it, and you need to live in, live in it. And I know that we've challenged a lot of you to be in the Psalms with us through the summer, and you have. There's been a great response. So even going back in February, we asked this question that we asked last week. How often do you read the Bible? Do you read it one day a week, five days a week, seven days a week? And basically, if you see the blue line there, this is what the answer that you or the people that were in the room on that day gave us as their answer. Most people will read it somewhere between one and three times, okay? Uh, uh, one and three times throughout the, throughout the week. That meant just over a third would read it five to seven times, okay? Uh, what has happened in the past summer is that we have seen that change. Two-thirds of our people are reading it five to seven times a week. That's a beautiful thing. I hope that you are already, as you're reading and knowing and not knowing and studying and meditating, all this kind of stuff, I hope that you are beginning to see the value of it, which then leads to the second call to action, which is delight, delighting God's word, which we talked about that last week. And delighting in it, finding this love relationship with God's word, this emotional attachment with God's word. Hopefully you are getting in and beginning to experience an emotional connection with God's word. Okay, now today, warning, we're going to move into heavy lifting day. This is the day where we're going to do the next two calls to action, which is meditate on it and then walk in it. This is where the rubber meets the road. Why is that? Because this requires adaptation. Just like you're lifting weights, adaptation is what happens whenever you're growing that muscle. This is what it's going to require. Meditation will require a mindset shift. There will be a change in the way you think about life, the way you see life, the way you make decisions about life. If you practice meditation on scripture, it will change your mindset. If you walk in it, it will change your lifestyle. So there's adaptation in two areas, the way I think and the way I live. And so this is where we're going with God's word. But today we're going to focus on the, the, the meditation on God's word. Next week, we'll talk on walking in step with God's word. And then again, the last week of this month, we have an incredible time together and I will just leave it at that. But let's talk about mindset. Mindset's a common word out there today. There's lots of talk about mindset. You can Google different kinds of mindsets that are out there. There's all kinds. There's fixed growth, abundance, scarcity, optimistic, pessimistic, explore, uh, open, closed, adaptive, innovative, resilient, victim mindset. There's all kinds of mindsets out there. That people will literally care. If you have a victim mindset, you will literally live as if you're constantly 
uh, living from this wounded self. Okay, and and again, it could be a lot of different things. It could be true uh, trauma that you've experienced. I get it. I get it. I get it. But is that the mindset you're living from? Okay, what mindset do you have about life? Mindset is defined as beliefs, attitudes, perspectives that shape how individuals perceive and approach different aspects of life. This is based on environments, based on culture, it's based on life experience. It literally becomes the conduit of your thinking, how your thinking, how your mindset, how you see life travels, but also the content inside the conduit. So it's the content and the conduit of the way I'm thinking and how I'm thinking and how I'm processing life. I want to propose to you one that you'll not find on many lists. Like, I don't know, in all my research on mindsets this week, I never found this one. What does a divine mindset look like? What is literally having a mind that is, that is shaped by, that there's this integration of the divine? Okay, think about that. Because the Bible calls us, and you look in David's writings throughout the Psalms, he's constantly taking his mind, his thoughts, his processes, and he is bringing them to the Father, and he's saying, is my mind in check? Are my meditations what they should be? Psalm 104, verse 34, may my meditations be pleasing to him. Let the words of my mouth, Psalm 19, and the meditations of my heart be acceptable. He's literally taking his mind, his thoughts, his worldview, his perspective, his attitude, and he's bringing it to the Father, and he's saying, make my mind pleasing to you. And you might just thought, oh, it's all about your actions, it's what you do. It's also about what you think and how you think. The Bible talks about this. He talks about having a transformed mind. That we're told, he said, in an imperative command, that our mind will be transformed. Now, in Romans, when it, when it talks about that, Romans chapter 12, verse 2, it says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It's actually a passive imperative, uh, passive imperative. Now, what does that mean? That means basically it's a command. You've got to do it. But it's passive in the fact that it happens to you. So what does it mean to have a transformed mind? It means I open up my mind to God and say, God, I need my mind changed. But it's not only uh, it talks about our mind being transformed, but it also talks about our mind being captivated or controlled. Not being controlled by our mind, but us controlling our mind, our thoughts, our feelings, our, our processes, our environments inside. Every, take every thought captive to obey Christ. And by the way, the verses prior to that talk about spiritual warfare. And the fact that we fight a battle and most of our battles are won or lost between the ears. Where are we winning? Are we losing in life? Sometimes it's just between the ears is the difference. The mind of Christ, we're told as followers of Jesus, as born again children of the Father, that we have the mind of Christ. Now let that sink in. Because we just said this mantra a few moments ago, that I am who, the Bible, I am who I says I am, I have what it says I have, and I can do what it says I can do. What, what am I saying? There? I have the mind of Christ. Do I walk in it? Do I live in it? Do I process life with it? Do I see life through the lens of the Father? Now, when you come to the concept of meditation, we need to understand what it is. 
And then we need to understand why. Okay, the what. We need to understand the what behind it because when you come to meditation, there's all kinds of feelings and thoughts behind it, okay? Uh, it, l- let's talk about what it's not, first of all. It's, it's not Eastern meditation, okay? Which is lots out there on that. There's a lot of yoga and there's, there's Eastern mysticism that's around there. There's Zen Buddhism that's through pervading. It's one of the fastest growing religions in America. And the whole idea of the Eastern mindset says this, empty yourself, detach yourself. And while the concept may be good, it's really not what meditation is about. It's not about emptying the mind. It's actually about filling the mind. Filling the mind with the things of God. That's the Christian divine mindset. Is that we actually fill our minds and attach, not just detach. We attach, detach from the world. We detach from the noises. We detach from those things. But, but what we do is we attach and fill our minds with the things of God. This whole idea of meditation, what is it? I mean, it's been called different things through the years. I'm calling it divine meditation today. But in the Quakers, they called it the centering down. The, um, the Middle Ages, they called it the recollection of the thoughts. I was given a book whenever I was in college, going to college, by my uncle, uh, Alan. And uh, I was 20 years old, and he gave me a book called The Celebration of Discipline by Richard Foster. I thought, thank you. I got plenty of other college books to read right now, but I'll put it on the shelf. And tell one of my professors from New Zealand gave me the same book and said, hey, you need to read this book. I'm like, okay, uncle that I respect, professor that I respect, I probably need to read The Celebration of Discipline by Richard Foster. So I, I started reading it and it was deeper than, than just your average Joe book, but it was one of those in the very first chapter it starts talking about, or one of the early chapters starts talking about meditation. It's like it blew my mind away. I didn't know anything about this because I grew up in a denomination in a church that didn't talk about meditation. You know, something you talk about, that's something that they talk about over in the, in the Eastern religions of the world. This is how he defines it. He said, Christian meditation, very simply, is the ability to hear God's voice. That's a beautiful thing. And obey his word. What happens? This is what happens in meditation. Is that we create the emotional and spiritual space which allows Christ to construct an inner sanctuary in the heart. So we're literally opening up the space of our mind, opening up the space of our thoughts, opening up the space of our lives. We're creating a sanctuary that in that space, not all the noises, not all the distractions, not all the notifications, not all the social media, not all the, all the, all the, all the stuff is there, but actually what's there is God. And he's speaking in that space. We create this sacred space for God to speak. Now, if you notice back in Psalm 119 that we just read a few moments ago, look at Psalm 119, verse 15 and 16. Notice the, the, the absolute determination inside of David of what he is going to do. He said, I will meditate on your precepts. I will fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. Now, if you'll notice, precepts, ways, statutes, word are all those 10 words that I mentioned the past two weeks are all words to speak to God's word as a whole, as, as the Bible, as we would call it today. But notice his absolute determination. I will, I fix, I, I will, I will. 
There's this absolute commitment. And the very first one is I will meditate. I will meditate on his word. This word meditate, there's two different Hebrew words for this, all told together. They all mean about the same thing, 58 different times in the Old Testament. But you'll see Isaac, Joshua, David, Solomon, Asaph. You'll see many people in the scriptures practicing meditation using this one of these two words. Isaac went out to meditate in the evening in the fields. Joshua, we'll read in a few moments, will be talked about meditation is the way that he's going to be able to take the promised land. David said this, Psalm 63, 6, I remember you upon my bed and meditate you in the watches of the night. When you can't sleep, what do you do? Social media, Seinfeld reruns, office reruns. Well, what is it that you do when you can't sleep? In the, in the night, I meditate on your word. It, it, it's, what is I've, it's what I'm going to focus on. Paul will later on in Colossians talk about how he wants the word of God to richly dwell inside of us. So the whole concept of meditation, Paul, David, Solomon, Joshua, Isaac, all of these are modeling what it means for meditation. Why is that? Because here's a life principle for you. Meditation is nurtures intimacy and connectivity with God. Again, what are you doing? You're creating a space in your life, a sanctuary that God can speak to you. And as you are making sure you're controlling the voices in that space by meditating there, it helps you connect to God. I grew up in the day that you sent love letters in the hallway. You wrote them in class. Anybody else do that? Okay, that's how old we are. Now we have DM, now we have text messaging, now we have all this other ways that we communicate our love for our love for our significant other. But I grew up, whenever you would write the class note, you'd pass it over. And Lori has kept all of my love notes, by the way. She broke up with me in college. I burned all of hers. So it's just, <laughs> just for the record. Um, but anyway, I still... Still, I'm reminded of that from time to time. But those, you get those love letters and you read them and you read them and you, you look for the little heart at the end of the sentence and you, you, you want to know what they meant when they said this. Did they, you know, all those kind of, what are you doing? You're meditating on the word that that person that you love, that you think is significant, that you hang on every word that they say, that's exactly what you're doing. And that creates and nurtures an intimacy and a connectivity with that other person. Well, so it does with God. What is meditation? It is creating the sacred space where you control the voices and the noises and the notifications and you create space so God can speak. And you have a whole lot of this in the background. So God can speak. Why? Why Why is meditation so important? Why, why should we focus on that? Well, I go back to where I was last week. It's Psalm chapter 1, verse 2. Blessed is the man. Blessed is the man or the woman who what? Who, who 
Delight is in the law of the Lord, and his law does he meditate day and night. Again, think about it. It's not a, a one in. It's not a, I'm going to start my day with a little Jesus calling and end my day with a little utmost in his highest. I'm not just going to microdose on God. It's literally something that you're going to ingest, make a part of you, and that throughout the day, all day long, it is something that is ruminating in the mind, that you're chewing on it in your soul. Why? Why is this so important? Three reasons. One is the power that it gives us for the battles. I don't know if you know this, but there's a war. There's a war for your soul. There's a war for your life. There's a war for your obedience. There's a war for your direction. There's a war for your path. There's a war for your words. There's a war for your attitude. David said this in Psalm 119, verse 10. With my whole heart, I seek you. Let, not, let me not wander from your commandments. He's like, man, I want to attach myself. My whole heart is attaching myself to your word. Why, 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 why? Because I'm so prone to wonder. I'm so prone to leave the God I love. I'm so prone to, to, to wander off and let my words go here and my actions go here and my habits go here. I'm so prone for that. How does David fight it? He said, I stored up. I stored up your word in my heart. He just got through talking about his heart. With my whole heart, I seek you. Now he's saying, with my heart, I'm going to store up. I'm going to put it in there. I'm going to tuck it away. I'm going to value it so much that I'm going to carry it with me throughout the day. His heart would be kept by the word he kept in his heart. Think about it. Jesus, on that day when he was baptized, what a beautiful moment. Can you imagine? Sun was shining probably. Goes down to the Jordan River. Meets the prophet John the Baptist. John the Baptist is like, well, in a way, you want me to baptize you? You ought to be baptized. No, I want you to baptize me. He's baptized. What happens then? The heavens opened up. The dove descends. You see the Trinity, beautiful working of God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, all right there in that moment. Jesus is baptized, the heavens opens up, the dove descends as the Holy Spirit, and the Father in heaven says, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. People have a struggle with the Trinity, I get it, but right there you see the Trinity at work. What a beautiful moment that was. He gets out of the water, he, he dries off, and then where does he go next? He goes on a prayer retreat. I mean, can you imagine? And he goes alone, so nobody's with him. And as an introvert, you love those moments. So he goes on this, he goes on this prayer retreat, he goes into the wilderness, he doesn't have any noise or distractions from the cities. He has had just the highlight of highlights of his life. Everything should be wonderful, Right? And it's there that he encounters Satan. Forty days, he's in the wilderness, and he's tempted. Not to become an axe murderer, not to become a pedophile, nothing like that. No, he's just tempted to be comfortable. He's just tempted to be an influencer. He's just tempted to increase his power in society. Every one of those 
None of those are wrong. But Satan starts poking at once three of the most common things that we to this day struggle with in our own lives. But every single one of them, he said this, it is written. And he points back to the book of Deuteronomy of which any good rabbi would have memorized the entire five first five books of the Bible. There he is. He has memorized it. And he is pulling it out from deep inside of his heart so that he can deal with Satan's attacks. Listen, I fear the person who goes into this world without the word of God inside of them. Meditation is the superhighway that moves the scripture into your heart, into your soul. Let the word of God dwell in you richly, Paul said. I want us to do that. I want to challenge you. Every week, you be a finding that memory verse, that, that verse that you're going to not just put up here, but as, as, as David did, put it in his heart. Here's one for this week, okay? This is just, this is mine. This is, this is where I am, and I'm just going to invite you to join me, okay? This is, this is mine. J- John chapter 14, verse 27. And what I'm doing right now is in my life is I'm praying this. I'm praying it regularly. It is peace I leave, leave with you. And I'm just thinking about that. Now, listen, anytime you memorize scripture, you need to understand this context. You'll learn this in Bible study methods. That if you have a text without a context, you have a pretext. You got to understand from which it's coming from. So Jesus is getting ready to go to the cross. But before he goes to the cross, he says, hey, you're not going to be left alone. In John 14, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. He's going to be your counselor. He's going to be your guide. He's going to walk with you through life. He is going to be with you. I'm leaving, but I'm leaving you with peace. And then he said, my peace I give to you. Not some mystical peace, not some peace in a bottle, not some peace anywhere else that you can find from any other outsourced uh, third market um, brand, but his peace. And right now I'm just inhaling and I'm just exhaling it. This week I challenge you and be thinking, thinking, what is God saying to you right now through the word of God? It will help you in the battles. Number two, it will give you confidence for your journey. We're all on a journey, right? We got journeys of doubt and worries and unknowns and fears of tomorrow and what's going to happen here and who's going to be in that meeting and how's that class and, you know, how's college going to work out for me? And several of y'all are already starting to post those photos of getting the kids' rooms ready and it's an incredible time. And I can remember, I can remember going back to college years ago myself. My grandmother, my mother taking me up, helping me set up my room. And I can remember the first day of class going into that Monday's classes and then going into Tuesday's classes. And every professor wanted the same thing, about 30 pages every night, read for class. The next day, are you kidding me? I might read it through the semester, but every day? And then papers? I didn't write papers. I had excuses. I didn't write papers. I played my dyslexic card all through high school. And yeah, it was, I went home after Tuesday, called my mother crying like a baby, saying, I need to quit and come home. No joke. 
I still remember it and she still remembers it. And the thing is, is I stayed. Because there was this still small voice of God calling me to go. Listen, he's going to call us to do things that are difficult, that are hard. The word of God, when you meditate on it, will give you strength for the journey. Think about poor Joshua. He's been following in the footsteps and living under the shadow of of Moses. Moses dies. This is the funeral uh, eulogy that God gives. Moses, my servant, is dead. All right, now, Joshua, here's the mantle. It's yours. Now, therefore, arise, go over the Jordan, and you and all the people into the land. Wait, Moses didn't even get the people into the land. You're asking me to do something that Moses didn't do. Yep. And God is going to ask you to do things that you've never done before. It's going to be beyond what you can imagine. And he's going to ask you to give when you don't want to give or you don't feel like you can. He's going to ask you to serve in ways that you don't feel like you're qualified. There's so many ways that he's going to call you and challenge you and grow you and make you into the person he's trying to make you into. But four times in that one chapter, you read it for yourself, Joshua chapter 1. He says, be strong and courageous, be strong and courageous, be strong and courageous, be strong and courageous. Okay, that's really good. Mind over matter? No. Verse 8. Here's how you're going to do it. You shall meditate on God's book of the law, not depart from your mouth. You shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. It's your guide for life. For then you will make your, your way prosperous and then you will have good success. There is this open sanctum that happens, this holy leisure of, of, of God at work inside of my soul whenever I find that peace through meditation that God, I can't, but you can't. I will be strong and courageous because of what you're doing in me. Meditation on God's word, making that holy sacred space in your soul, in your life, not just a second in the day, five minutes in the day, but morning and noon and night, in the middle of the night, when you're waking up, when you do that, you will have strength for the battle. You will have confidence for the journey, but you'll also have a perspective on God that you wouldn't normally have. You will see God differently. Tim Keller says this about people who practice meditation. Persons who meditate become people of substance. Let that sink in. Who have thought things out, have deep convictions, who can explain difficult concepts in simple language, who have good reason behind everything that they do. Many people do not meditate. They skim everything, picking and choosing on impulse, having no thought out reason for their behavior, following the whims. They are shallow lives. Are you shallow? Are you a life of substance? You know, one of the ways that God creates substantive life is through pain. You've heard me say it's not original with me. But God whispers to us in our pleasures, but he shouts to us in our pains. You know, David was a person who experienced all kinds. Even in Psalm 119, you read it 
for yourself and look for the, all the times that he talks about in Psalm 119 of his adversaries plotting against him, of his persecutors. Verse 23 says this, even though princes set plotting against me, your servant will meditate on your statutes. What happened is like, I've got people against me fighting, warring, trying to tear me down. But God, what I'm going to focus on is not the bad guys. I'm going to focus on you. I'm going to focus on your statutes. But it's not just focusing on God's word. It's focusing on God's work. It said, remember the days of old? I meditate all. <laughs> I meditate on all that you have done. I ponder the work of your hands. I gave it a homework assignment, impromptu homework assignment last hour. It would only be just to do it this hour as well. I want you to go home this week. I want you to take a legal pad out and I want you to just start writing down all the ways God has worked in your life. Just, I, I, big and small. Start listing them out. Count your many blessings. Name them one by one, and it will surprise you what the Lord has done. Asaph, you don't want to miss him. We just finished reading through Psalm uh, uh, this past week. If you're on track with us, in Psalm 73 to Psalm 83 are the chapters of the book of Psalms that Asaph wrote. Asaph was the worship leader, if you will. He was a Levite. He was the worship leader during the time of David. So he and David would run together. So David's writing the Psalms. Asaph's writing Psalms. David was a, played the harp and wrote songs. And Asaph was a songwriter as well. So you, you have this beautiful synergy between the two that you sometimes might miss. But Asaph is incredibly vulnerable and is incredibly struggling with God. Go back and reread that section. It's in that section of scripture in chapter 73, I believe it is, that he talks about why. Why do the arrogant prosper, but the righteous suffer? Man, that's a question I still got today. Still looking for answers. Why do, the, why do they prosper and your people don't? I mean, he really gets into the weeds. He gets very deep and personal. In fact, I want us to look at chapter 77. I want to close with this, but I want to read it slowly because one of the ways you read the scripture is you read it as a personal journal. And that's exactly what the Psalms is. Psalm 77, Asaph's words. I think of God and I moan. I'm overwhelmed with longing for his help. You ever been there? Maybe you're there right now. Interlude is what it says. Some, some Bibles translations will say, Selah. That means you're to pause right there. How many of you are there right now? You're in a mo moment of moaning. You're a moment of feeling overwhelmed. You're a moment of saying, God, I need your help. And you just pause. And you just wait. He goes on. You don't let me sleep. I'm too distressed even to pray. I think of the good old days, long since ended. And then he, you think he's been honest so far? This next section. 
I call it honest abandonment. He really feels abandoned. Has the Lord rejected me forever? Will He never again be kind to me? Is He unfailing? Is His unfailing love gone forever? Have His promises permanently failed? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has he slammed the door on his compassion? Interlude. Man, those moments that you just like, God, where the heck are you? And it's silent. Where are you? What are you up to? Where's your compassion? Have you forgotten me? But he doesn't stay there. That's not his focus. It could be. Somehow he turns the corner. He says, but then I recall all you've done. Oh, Lord, I remember your wonderful deeds of long ago. They are constantly in my thoughts. I cannot stop thinking. And that word thinking there is the word meditate. I cannot stop meditating about your mighty works. You know, we're going to have pain. We're going to have setbacks. But you If you focus, if you have a divine mindset versus a victim mindset versus a a static mindset versus all those other different minds, if you have a divine mindset, you're going to be able to see through the pain and see to a God who's been faithful all along. I want to take us back to John. John 14, and I close. And I want us to just pray this verse. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Would you bow your heads with me? We're going to practice meditation here for just a second. We're going to create that space. Peace I leave with you. Father, you said you'd never leave us or forsake us. You said you were going to send us your spirit to comfort us and guide us. Thank you, Jesus. My peace I give to you. This is not a peace in a bottle, or any other source, God. This is your peace. This is peace through Jesus. And listen, if you're here today, let me just say, if you're here and you've never established peace with God, that happens through Jesus. Where you're sitting right now, you can say, Jesus, I need peace with you. Jesus, I want your salvation. I want your healing. I want, I, I, I want to be made right with you, God.
Now's the time. Do it here, right now. Maybe you're here and you're one of the, you're a follower of Jesus, been that way for decades. But you are in a pit and you need peace. God's word, when you create space for it to speak, shut out the noises, create that rhythm of morning, noon, night, you will have strength for the battle. You will have courage and confidence for the journey. And you will see God and know God in ways that most people don't. Father, speak now. Thanks for listening to the Grace Point Church Podcast. To stay up to date on all things GPC, follow us at Grace Point NWA on Facebook or Instagram. As you go, be people who show and share Jesus in everyday conversations with everyday people. Live Scent.